You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. These are bad femurs for podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For this episode, we'll be talking about Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska. In the room, I have Rob. Hello. And Sean. Hi. And on the line, I have Kyle. Hi there. Nebraska is the sixth studio album by American singer-songwriter Bruce Springsteen, released on September 30th, 1982 by Columbia Records. The producer was Bruce Springsteen. The genre is folk and heartland rock. I'm going to read from the book, Burhand Wazir. As a follow-up to his... Breakthrough album, 1980s bolsterous double set, The River. On the face of it, Nebraska sounded like career suicide, yet Springsteen was determined to have his album of home demos released, even though it saw the light of day against the backdrop of the singer falling out with his record label. Nebraska's 10 songs would mark a distinct departure for the all-American singer-songwriter. The record is a relentless, bleak, and often deeply political portrayal of America's small-town communities, dwellings ridden with unemployment, few chances, and endemic crime. The title track tells the true-life story of mass murder, Charlie Starkweather's killing spree. State Trooper narrates the tale of a local policeman forced to confront his errant criminal brother, and Atlantic City paints the famous gambling town as a corrupt, seething hell of losers and characters. Throughout, Springsteen manages to hold the songs together on his own and riveting narratives. Nebraska pointed up Springsteen's desire to challenge both himself and his fans and was a resounding triumph both artistically and commercially. While its follow-up Born in the USA would return the singer to familiar stadium rock territory, he would often gravitate back towards the pessimism of Nebraska. Years later on Tunnel of Love and much later on Ghosts of Tom Joad, both predominantly acoustic records. In that sense alone, Springsteen perhaps remains rock's closest link to the legacy of Woody Guthrie. All right, what do we think of Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska? You know, it's fucking crazy about the uh, him doing Born in the USA in like, what, one or two years? Like, after this? I think it was just yeah. one year. Yep. Um, he, uh-huh. eight of those songs were written or were written and recorded during this. Like That's wild, yeah. The fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He definitely had the inspiration this year. Whatever it was, whatever he was doing, 1982, he just... That fucking insane motherfucker recorded 15 of these songs in one night. I think he was absolutely losing his mind. I think he was having a serious mental health crisis. Yeah, he was having a real hard time. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, I still can't get over the 15, 15 songs. And I was trying to do the math of how, like, is that possible? Could you record that many songs? And I was like, I guess, okay, let's say two takes. All right, each song, let's average four, four or five, you know, minutes or something. I was like, yeah, you could do it. You could do it. But you would have to be so good and so prepared to do it. But it still is the most, one of the most astounding stories I've ever heard. Yeah, him, him, him by himself with like a four track. Yeah. And not intending for these to be like finished. No. At all. Like to, to the point that he's, he has the track not in a, he has the tape not in a case in his pocket walking around New York City. That was my favorite story. Like, and then realizing, oh, this is what we're, this is what I have. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Uh, it sounds not, like the beginning of like a broad city uh, episode or something where it's like, oh no, it's my pocket and it goes down like a sewer and then. You know, yeah, totally. <laughs> chaos. Uh, no, so this is like the, the first um, audio cassette test cam that he had, right? First uh, four track. Yeah, it was a Teak, uh, which I think Teak is Tas Tascam. Tascam yeah. is Teak, but yeah, uh, one of the first, and he he got the sound out of a four track. I I know that we've all played with sure. them at certain points in time, and it, it never sounded like this. I was cleaned up a bit. They did some dig digital noise reduction and in, yeah. in some uh, finesse. I was going to ask you about the sound, actually. Anybody here? Do you? Because you can tell. I like the hiss. Yeah, I was going to say there is a hiss, and there is when it hits certain hertz or you know it hits certain elements. You can tell that it's rough. But it's really atmospheric. And, yeah, and you know we yeah. know that uh, that suicide was a big influence on. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen. And so like, I think, you know, and they're a band that was similarly rough sounding, you know, even when their songs were very tight, I think he put a lot of that in here too. I don't think he was really going for finesse. They're using an echo plex on this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The slapback echo. Yeah. This is a record that will sound good on anything. Definitely. It'll yeah. sound great on the tiniest speaker. It'll sound great on huge speakers, headphones. Can we talk about the overall tone of it and how scary it is? Sure. It is a terrifying yeah. record. Like there yeah. are so many points where you're just the suspense is so high using so little, and he's so creative. Like I mean, obviously Bruce Springsteen creative, but his his imagination is insane to me. Like the stories he tells, just in a really straightforward way, and like just builds a whole world. You know, like he's using more than his words to tell a story. Obviously, most musicians do, but you know, like there are moments. I mean, you know, like State Trooper, which you brought up in the intro. It's so interesting to me because it's from the perspective of somebody saying like, you know, please don't pull me over. Like it's like Ghost Rider mm -hmm. by suicide. But yeah. he's got like empathy for the officer because he's afraid he's going to kill him, I believe. Yeah. And like that's so like, what a weird brain position to be in, especially because um, the title track is about Richard or sorry, about um, Charlie Starkweather, mm -hmm. the serial killer. You know, like it seems like Bruce really put himself in like a psychopath's shoes to write some of these songs. And it's that's alarming that he's capable of doing that. Yeah, and it's not without <laughs> without empathy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The stories that are told on this is just yeah. I I can't even imagine writing one of these songs, but just to have a whole album that is consistent, concise, and makes challenges his uh you know people's conception of what Bruce Springsteen was kind of doing at the time. I mean, you just came off of Born to Run. Right. With these yeah. huge, huge songs. Yeah, yeah, but also unintentionally. He never, like, again, he never right. intended this to be the record. He went in with the E Street Band 
tried recording stuff. I mean, you know, they I think eight or nine of those uh, mm-hmm. like uh, the Electric Nebraska got released. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, like it just it didn't fit tonally to have like big ass bombast right. with that band for these uh these sad ass songs. I did feel like Atlantic City bridged the gap quite a bit between. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. that do. Yeah, there's. I mean, like that was the only single, right? Atlantic City. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that was the only single on the record. Uh, no, Open All Night was as well, but Atlantic City was definitely the <laughs> find out. I just liked how New Jersey, like, it's like he had to bring New Jersey into a record called Nebraska. He just could not <laughs> help himself. And he's like, yeah, don't forget about Jersey, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that makes this record, um, like you said, so scary, like so haunting is um, he, you know, you've got these these songs about these dark characters and and then you've got songs about his dad. And it's hard to tell the difference between them sometimes. They're so earnest and, and painful. I, I feel like he was exercising something inside of himself. I think that's what my father's house was definitely about, right? Don't you think? Like, just all the trauma. It was 100% about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that one a lot. I found it pretty uh, evocative. Like, it's it felt like a dream, you know? Like, just not being able to go somewhere. And I, I, I read a little bit, like, I think I saw it on Genius.com or something, that he said that... In therapy, he talked about going by his father's house over and over. Like, basically the song. You know, the story of someone else lives there. But uh, his therapist was like, well, that's because it's a place of pain for you. And, he, you know, he's like, I know that. <laughs> but, yeah, and he's but, like, yeah. you can't change anything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought it was it was cool, too, to have these different genres. And you could almost hear his the demo take of being like, oh, this one's kind of like an upbeat, like, rock and roll song like the johnny 99 mm-hmm. is is a little bit of a throwback <laughs> i also wrote is this cow punk on Be- that one? <laughs> <laughs> i'm always just trying to find cow punk uh also uh you know like reason to believe mm-hmm. um so yeah you have these different you can imagine a ba- what it would sound like with a band yes um and h- how he was kind of writing for that but in the end it makes perfect sense for him just to say, actually, you know, a stripped down version of this, you know, yeah. works. I mean, it works I thought, really well. I thought that uh, Johnny 99 also had like a big, like kind of a working class melody. And I could totally imagine it being like a Cox Bar song. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really like that, you know, since it's so stripped down, you can kind of take it whatever direction you want to in terms of how you listen to it, which is nice because you don't really get that opportunity with a lot of Springsteen. Like, that's why I'm not somebody who's done like too many deep dives on Springsteen. Cause I feel like, okay, I know what is, I know what he sounds like, you know, like I love this album. I've heard it before, but aside from this, like I'm just not a big Springsteen guy. Maybe it's cause I'm from Northeast too. And he's just like up our asses all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, aside from this, I don't need a lot of Springsteen in my life. Yeah. Kind of going back to that though. I'm, you know, I love Springsteen and his stuff, but doing that overproduction, which is he's, completely known for you know putting in all the bombast glockenspiels everything yeah. there's a glockenspiel on this too okay <laughs> you <laughs> but know. you know what i'm saying yes I do. he's okay. the inspiration for meatloaf right yeah like to have the the most the maximum mm-hmm. and then he's macho operatic come yeah. to to nebraska is like it, it reminded me a lot of uh the willie nelson redhead stranger sure of just stripping everything and being like Let's try the opposite of what I do. Yeah. And much like that, um, yeah. this album sold a million, million copies. <laughs> like, he he suffered no repercussion 
from going off of like the uh, the beaten path that he'd 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 tread. Like this album, I think was a uh, at least platinum stateside um, and at least gold everywhere else. Like I don't know of any other uh, singer songwriter musician that got away clean <laughs> from just jumping genre. Like he yeah, it's just, wild. He didn't come. He, he didn't come back to uh, like born in the USA because he had to. Right. You know. Right. This was this 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 did well, and a, all the accolades, all the critics, like holy shit, you know, listen to this. There's something very like bipolar about this record. You know what I mean? Like it just it seems like he was really trying to get some demons out, but like had a lot of energy to do so. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's kind of. I don't know. Like I said, I was scared a lot of times. I found it kind of alarming. And I, and I like that because that is not something I ever think about when I'm like, you know, at the 4th of July and there's blasting born in the USA for the 40th time. I mean, if you're going to write, if you're going to write and record or at least record 15 tracks in one night, there's some mania going on. Yes. The, yeah. cra- the crazy thing, though, is born in the USA is like a kind of a haunting song. But obviously with the backing band, it sounds like an anthem, right? Yeah. It sounds like a Well, pro- yeah, Reagan was playing it during this <laughs> round. <laughs> yeah. God, poor Bruce Springsteen, like, consistently going, no, don't use my song. Right. Please don't, no, don't, don't, you're not allowed to. Yeah. Do I have to say this again? blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state And the DA can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble out on the promenade And the gambling commission's hanging on by the skin of its teeth Well now everything dies, baby, that's a fact But maybe everything that dies someday comes back Put your makeup on yeah, you guys um, remember that my parents were really big uh, Bruce Springsteen fans growing up. And after listening to this a few times, I was like, well, you know, I reached out. I was like, what did this album sound like when it first came out in 1982? Um, cause I certainly don't remember hearing this album growing up and my mom said, uh, I remember first hearing the album while we were at a race, uh, at mid Ohio, we were camping, uh, it was playing on a boom box. I just remember thinking it was very dark. She's right. <laughs> Which uh, just sounds like a bummer, like trying to have a good time at a race and then somebody <laughs> fires up the boom box and plays fucking Nebraska. You know, it's funny cause somebody earlier mentioned like not being in the mood for a certain type of music. Oh, we were talking yeah, about birthday yeah. party. Um, yeah. A few episodes back, and yeah. uh, I wasn't really in the mood for this record when I put it on, and so I was like, "Okay, like I like this record, I know it, but let's see what it's like when I don't feel like listening to it." Which is funny because it was rainy and quiet today, like you'd think, but I just wasn't really into it. So I just kind of like tracked my feelings throughout it, and it took me to the third track, "Mansion on the Hill," and by then I was like, "Okay, I'm in the Nebraska zone," which I think <laughs> speaks to the power of this album that it will it will make you get to where it wants you to be. Yeah, you get there, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Huh. 
which like like the, the song Nebraska, even though the subject matter is like terrifying, you know, um, I don't know if you read about Charlie Stark, whether or not, but. Oh, yes. yes. I've seen Badlands too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Claire just watched Badlands like an hour ago. Nice. He's terrifying. And I just don't, you would think I would want to hear the song Nebraska because I like scary serial killer stuff, but it never really moves me. First time I heard about Starkweather was uh, from the Frighteners. The Frighteners, me too, Rob. Oh, okay. Interesting. When Jake, Jake Busey, Busey. Is screaming about like how many uh, people he killed and how many I got one more than Starkweather. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's interesting though. The for as much you know pessimism that this album has, I mean, there's also like a that subtle grace of those characters of having a humanity within the dark characters of, you know, that a lot of writers try to try to write about. Yeah. I feel like he really locked in. It, it felt autobiographical, even though, you know, it was not all of it was, you know, obviously. Sure. Yeah. This could have been completely shitty. I mean, this, I mean, on paper, this could have been a total vanity project from some asshole, you know, Chris Gaines. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ain't ever seen him and Garth Brooks in the same room, so <laughs> I don't know. Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I did read it was partially inspired by uh, Howard Zinn's book, A People's History of the United States. I had never heard that before. Really? I haven't heard that. Yeah. Wow. And so, and I looked it up, and I was like, "Wait, when did that book come out?" Yeah, it came out like a year or two before this oh. album. So, Bruce was into some cool shit. He definitely was. Mm-hmm. He was. He knew what was up. I mean. Yeah. He's always been a tastemaker. I mean, yeah. he invented this sound. Yeah. There is no Bruce Springsteen sound. Like, you know, yeah, Bob Seeker is similar, but it's not the same. Yeah. My brother, I think at one time, he was like, have you listened to Bruce Springsteen The River recently? And I thought, oh, okay. I don't know why you're bringing it up. And he's like, kind of sounds like uh, he was listening to The Clash when he, uh, like, he, he definitely, like, drew upon inspiration. Later on, I, like... I had read that and then, yeah, it was like Bruce Springsteen like loved the clash and that sort of like we're saying that almost a folk folk element. I mean, London Calling had just come out. Yeah. And it had all those different styles. It had that interesting production. I think he uh, kind of latched onto that. I mean, like well. Four Horsemen and, sure. and Card Sheet are yeah. totally you could totally see where they would influence Springsteen. Yeah. I can't remember if you've brought it up before, but um, have any of you seen the the off-Broadway kind of storyteller show that you did? No. I guess it was on Broadway, actually. My friend saw it, it. I think they paid like $700 a piece for tickets, and then it came out on Netflix or something. Oh, Yeah. They were so mad. <laughs> yeah, but Bruce wasn't in the room, right? What? I mean, Springsteen wasn't in the room. He was. Yeah, it, he performed on Broadway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, but, yeah. You know, but he was in your it. living room. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. They probably would have done it anyway, but, yeah. you know, they like to complain because they're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard to, uh, hard to talk when the, the, there's such dour oh my God, songs in our headphones right now. It was funny, um, turning on a state trooper, like I, I had been hearing that, you know, it was kind of inspired by Frankie Teardrop and I was like, I don't hear it until like two thirty, two minutes and 30 seconds in, he just starts going, Whoa! Oh yeah, yeah. the Alan Vega Whoa. yelling. It's the, echo, the it's, it's that and the Echo Plex because mm-hmm. it's the Echo Plex for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like direct rip, which I love. That like he was very unabashed about it. He's just like I'm going to do the Alan. Vega oh yell. yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. He's like, yeah, that Suicide Records one of the greatest records I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, not wrong. 
So what was the recording situation for this? Because it's listed as uh, like Mike Batlin was on the Teak Task Cam Series 144 4-Track cassette recorder. Like, where was he? Like, was this in his house? Was this in someone else's house? Was it in a hotel? Like, where where did this take place? It's not listed anywhere on this uh, on the liner notes. It's at his home. Yeah. He just recorded it at his house. So he just had his buddy Mike come over and like, all right, press... Press record. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to when you record at home, it always helps to have a buddy to to like run back the tape or, you know, to move levels slightly or do do whatever they need to do when you can't hear it. Because you want those things outside, you know, outside of the the room. So you want to isolate all the all the different uh, elements. Well, maybe that's why my four track recording sounds like shit. You need a buddy. It's because you're lonely. That's why. But yeah, he just did that and then brought it to the studio, said, here, I can teach this to the E Street Band. In his pocket. He brought it to the studio (laughs) in his pocket. I really want to know if it was not, literally not in the case, just picking up pocket lint. According to him, yes. (laughs) I believe that. And also, like, was there, did he, was he carrying the four track around or was there another four track to throw that tape into? Or was it like... All right, we're, we're, we're going to play this, and it's only tracks one and two. Wait, where was he taking it? What did he do with it when he found it in his pocket? Like, he was going to the studio to record these, or to play the songs for the E Street Band okay. and then record them, but, like, as to how they were, I mean, there must have been a four-track. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, four-track. In a studio? Sure. So he so he just, <laughs> he just held the cassette, <laughs> probably going past plenty of magnets that could have just destroyed the tape. <laughs> Just popped riding, it in. Riding on the subway. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining him being followed by like Snadley Whiplash with a giant magnet being like, I'm going to ruin Nebraska. <laughs> I think it was cool, though, that he had enough um, he had enough leverage to do it, too. Because mm-hmm. you know if he was a you know, first-time artist and he brought this to a, uh, a company that uh, had heard uh, one of those other songs, Badlands or anything else, they'd have been like, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if we can do that. If you're wondering, uh, the, the Yelps aren't actually written out in, in letters on the... They are? They, uh, are? They, they are not. Oh. Unfortunately. How do you think you spell that? Well, I, I did spell out phonetically his entire whoa, 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 zoo, okay. whoa, it, it took me It took me a long time. Yeah. Um, but I, I won't do that right here. <laughs> yeah, I... I I didn't look it up, but yes, on Straight Trooper, I did right next to it. Like this gives me suicide vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Not- I wrote this song is perfect. <laughs> I was stoned. It is perfect. It is yeah. Per- yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes the comp- complete sort of right length mm-hmm. of uh, of that. There's yeah, there's so many. Uh, who covered State Trooper? I'm trying to uh, Drive By Truckers mm-hmm. did. I do feel like used cars, like the sequencing was good because I felt like it was so much more listenable and approachable. And like, it felt like he was trying to win back the people he may have lost on state troopers because that was pretty risky and wild. And I think that used cars is a pretty sweet sounding song, you know? I was so sad though. Yeah. I was surprised that state trooper is the last on the side one though. You're surprised by that? Yeah. That's where I would have put it. Really? Yeah. I guess it does fade out. Yeah. I think it suits it. Okay. But you, you're entitled to that opinion. It's okay it makes you wrong. scared to flip the record. <laughs> <laughs> That's why used cars, they're just being gentle and sad. Oh, used cars, I like those. I'll give this a shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it doesn't really follow the uh, track one side to like banger format, but sometimes he will come down. Mm-hmm. I love too the personnel when you just on records like this. It's like the Prince record where it's just like Prince, right? <laughs> like nothing else. <laughs> Also me. Also. So this has Springsteen vocal, guitar, harmony, mandolin, glockenspiel, tambourine, Hammond organ, synthesizer, production. (laughs) So, but there is a recording engineer. Yeah, for for a a dude as huge as him to have what we got? We got one, two, three, four, four people involved. Yeah, in the in the recording process. I mean, it's sort of like when Paho covered all of those Misfit songs. You know, like if those songs were performed that way initially and like that's how we knew them, we'd be like, what is this? This is just like spooky folk, man. But since we knew that they were like, there's a songwriting sort of, you know, I don't want to call Glenn Danzig a songwriting powerhouse, but you know what I mean? The the Misfits machine was behind that Paho record and the change in delivery really does uh, give you a little more window into those songs. And I feel like Nebraska is a little bit like that where it's equally dark, but kind of mellow. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm high. We, uh, I don't know that band. Oh, <laughs> Paho from, from Slint. Pablo Honey? Paho. Paho. Who? From Slint. From Slint. Oh, because I live in Louisville. Louisville, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, Paho but, covered a, a very, very mellow, like, almost like Iron and Wine style, did a co- uh, an album of Misfits covers. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Evan, Evan Dando loves to do, uh, yeah. throw on some Misfits covers in his... Evan Dando loves a lot of things. Yeah. So does Metallica. I think we were mistaken before. Born in the USA is 1984. So it's two years after. Two years? Okay. Yeah, so The River was two years before this. Mm-hmm. 80, and Nebraska. He, he didn't tour off of this either. Like, he, no, Nebraska did not get any... Uh, that was the only Springsteen up until 2019 uh, that he didn't, like, tour on the record. It would have been hard, I think. So what the fuck did he do for two years? Write music, write counseling, <laughs> like write, mu- so, write music. What's the point? You've already got eight <laughs> of your fucking like 12 tracks for the next record. But you got to write. See, you got to. Oh, are you, so you got to flex that muscle. You got to. Huh. He does have a lot of muscles. Write for the next album. See, he's he's already banking in the songs for the album after Born in the USA. He's already written those songs. He's <laughs> hustling. He's hustling. <laughs> I've been doing this wrong my whole life. You have. <laughs> You got to always be writing for the, not the next album, but the next, next album. Mm-hmm. You got to hustle. Coffee's for closers. Widely acclaimed by critics. Like immediately? Yeah, actually. I mean, it got a lot of, like, voted the third best album 1982 on The Village Voice. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Well, uh, I guess 
recently they said it's one of the 100 greatest albums 1980 it was number 43 yeah i'm sure i'm sure there were some uh critics who were like what is this what's going on with springsteen he must be depressed <laughs> but yeah for the most part it seemed like it was a uh, pretty uh well received yeah even the Chris- fans stuck with them seems like and I, I get why you know like he had yeah. All, all every album leading up to this one, like, had just been better than the one before. Like, yeah, you know, you got a really solid fan base at that point. Does anybody think that we skipped the river? It should have been here, or are we we cool with skipping the river, going to this, going to Born in the USA. We had we river. Had, river should have been on here. Yeah, we had darkness on the edge of town. Obviously, we had um, Born to Run. Born to Run. But I mean, I already told my river anecdote on a previous podcast. So. Yeah. And I told your river anecdote uh, to the owner of Seidenfadens uh, <laughs> on on, uh, on Saturday. Bruce Springsteen came up and he was talking about the river. I was like, oh, I got a story about that. <laughs> Thanks, bro. And then I gave him a CD of ours, Kyle. So. Oh, no. Yeah. You got plenty of those. He's, he's got two things to make fun of me That's about. Right. If anybody wants a CD, <laughs> email Birch. I'll... Uh, I'll ship it out to you. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, even Kreisgau didn't uh, like. He, he he gave this a more or less positive re- review. The only things that like he had to say was that Bruce Springsteen doesn't have the um, the melodic of uh, vocal chops or like uh, musical smarts to be like a Robert Johnson or a Bob Dylan. Mm. Um, but ultimately, like you know, this the package of of the record, like, you know, was way more, way better than like what it should have been. And then he also threw in that, like, you know, uh, Husker do take note, um, that like this type of, uh, lyrical content would work really well with atonal, uh, music that they were making at that time. That's a real weird, it was very weird. I don't think that's incorrect, but I do think that that is just, the fact that this album is called Nebraska and who's produced Midwestern. Mm. I think it's really just that kind of reach, honestly, because hmm. I just don't think that who's needs to be influenced by this, you know, like I, th- I think that he was just thinking about like what a Midwestern sound might be. And I think that he had just been reviewing a Husker do album. And yeah. And like, he thinks Nebraska is a Midwestern album because it's called Nebraska. It's still not. It's weird that this is called Heartland rock. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I attribute Heartland to uh, your uh, your Bob Seekers and your John Cougar Mellencamps. Right. Tom um, Petty. Tom Petty gets thrown yeah. in there occasionally. Mm-hmm. And who was that? We we talked about this once. That jackass from uh, Indianapolis who also. Henry Lee Summer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My first concert. Mine was Deep Blue something. Steve Earle. I mean, Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, this feels more like a Bob Dylan like mm-hmm. album than. Blood on the tracks, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this feel this really feels like the same story that happened with uh, Redheaded Stranger was very intentional. Like Wooly was like, "I'm doing a stripped down album," mm-hmm. but Blood on the Tracks was a you know very electric centric album, and then he reconsidered it. Sounds like the same same thing happened here, where he was like, because because Bob Dylan was said, "Yeah, I'm not really feeling it." He went home for Christmas, and then. They, they stripped that down and they made a different album, yeah. a slightly different album based on sort of feedback from his brother. And so, yeah, I think this 
this had the same effect where you have a concept of an album and eventually you realize, wait, why am I trying? Why am I trying to, uh, you know, bedazzle this album when it's already good? Yeah, the real album was the friends we met along the way. Exactly. <laughs> Who was listed as the producer on this? Is it Bruce? Uh, producing? No, there's no producer. Huh. It says he did production. Yeah. Okay. But not on, on on the liner notes. There, there's no. Uh, yeah, Phil Ramone did "Blood on the Tracks," so I was wondering if there was a crossover there. All words and music by Bruce Springsteen. Good job, Bruce. Yeah, he did it. I thought that was interesting too. He didn't do any covers. I mean, this is him. Mm-hmm. Pretty incredible. Kyle, you got a favorite uh, song and or lyric from this stuff? It's tough. I think all the all the lyrics that I, I wrote down were just sad as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny 99, you know, kind of an upbeat sounding song. And almost, I think one of the closing lines is, well, your honor, I do believe I'd be better off dead. And, you know, uh, God, I'm sorry, son, but no one by that name lives here anymore. Like, that's devastating. Um, Yeah, I wrote a few few things down, but that was, they're all blurry because I cried on them. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking sad record. Yeah, my father's house. I had kind of forgotten about that song. Man, that. That's a. It's brutal. It keeps cut like it hits so much harder. Me being older than it did when I was like twenty and listening to it. I totally agree with that. I was just like, holy shit! It's the whole like you can't go back feeling that like gets stronger and stronger the older you get. Yeah, Yeah. love that feeling. Uh, (laughs) And I do love State Trooper because it probably pops in my head every time I see like a a cop or something on the street, and I'm just like, don't pull me over because I might kill you. Don't. I'm going to assume uh, Adam Turla listened to Highway Patrol, man, right? They, they cl- Adam and Sarah claim they do not like Bruce Springsteen. It's like when Jim James said he Poor didn't like shit. Harry Nilsson. I got fucking face. liar. I got his face. I was wasted. <laughs> he deserved it. I know. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing when you, it's like clearly, clearly this, you know, you've taken a part of this. But I think it's just maybe they they don't identify with it. But jeez. Like what? <laughs> Listen to Nebraska. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you're just being contrary at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, it's like someone could tell me I li- I sound like Chris Gaines, <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, thanks. Like thanks. <laughs> That's like if I refuse to see Ghost World, the yeah. movie. I've read it. I've all read it, but yeah. Uh, I think we're all on the positive. Yeah, any, absolutely. Anything else? Yeah. Is there any downside to this album? Too sad. Okay. I'm just kidding. It's not too sad. I think we, we talked about this in the chat. A lot of us listened to this today because um, there was some torrential downpour. And I, I put it on my classroom. Just like, oh, I'll get another listen in, you know, before the podcast. And once that sad harmonica came in and filled up the room, everybody just started looking so sad. I had to turn it off. <laughs> you know, we've actually played songs um, from this record at Heartache Hour, my former pre-COVID DJ gig where we only mm. played sad music. Nebraska definitely had a special place. Which song did you play? That's a good question. Usually Matt was the one who played it. Um, and I feel like he played My Father's House for sure. Jeez. That's a sad one. We went all, we went real hard. Uh, Jeez. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And now something's wrong with me. <laughs> did you ever, did you guys ever make each other cry? Oh yeah, all the time. Oh. Okay. Yeah, no, that was like the goal. You, well, usually he cried. He was so like long, long time by um, Linda Ronstadt uh-huh. is gonna get you. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's easy. Nothing compares to you is going to make you cry because like, Oof. how can it not? Especially if you're drunk. 
Oh. The, the Prince version or the Sinead version? Oh, the Sinead version. All on the positive on that one. Yeah. Good job, Buck. This record is yeah. a sounding. I yes. feel like we're uh, we're in a golden period right now. Mm-hmm. I feel more emotionally mature having listened to this a few times. You look older. Yeah. Thank you. Is that a goatee you Ooh. got going on there? <laughs> Papa? <laughs> <laughs> you look distinguished, Kyle. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. All right, next time we'll be talking about Associates. I heard the wind rustling through the trees and ghostly voices rose from the fields I ran with my heart pounding down that broken With the devil snapping at my